Recording live at Studio 710 in beautiful downtown Vancouver, you're listening to License to Chill with your host, Bert Hick of Rising Tide Consultants. In studio today, Bert sits down with Ken Beatty, the executive director of the BC Craft Brewers Guild. For over 25 years, he's been a mainstay of the beer industry and is a certified beer educator. With the craft beer boom still flourishing in British Columbia, Ken sits down to chat about the current state of the industry and the upcoming BC Craft Brewers Conference, Mere Days Away. We go now to Bert in conversation. My guest this afternoon is Ken Beatty, who's the executive director of the BC Craft Brewers Guild. Why they call it a guild is beyond me. But anyway, Ken, welcome to our show called License to Chill. Thanks very much, Bert. Uh, Ken, I've got, I could spend hours with you because you've got so much to talk about, so many interesting stories. And where you are today as a craft brewer industry in British Columbia, where the industry is going. And let's start by bite-sized pieces. First of all, as a little boy growing up, did you ever figure you out you'd be in this business? I did not. No, I won't. Uh, in fact, I got uh, started as uh, I got. I used to play rugby in Vancouver, and our rugby club was sponsored by um, Molson. And a couple of guys on the team were with Molson, and they were looking for a summer rep for a college kid. And I thought that sounded like a the ultimate summer job. And I started in 1987 as a summer rep for Molson. And then by the time I had graduated in 88, uh, they offered me a full-time job. But I will say that my first day at Molson, I was like, came home and I said to my dad, I don't know how guys do this. This is not a career. This is crazy what they, you know, they were walking around back then. It was walking around sitting with the owners drinking a bunch of beer all day, which sounds good, but not maybe all year. So you were there when you were how old? Uh, oh, God, math, 25. Wow. Okay, and do you still play rugby? No. no. All right, you must be following the, the rugby on TV right I, now. I'm very excited about okay, it. Okay, hopefully there's not a game on right now where we're doing this, otherwise you might be distracted. The PVR is working overtime. That's good. Now, you became the executive director of the Craft Brewers Guild how many years ago? Uh, six. And... How did that come about? That came about, I had, uh, I was working uh, for a beer education company, Prodome, which is basically the Canadian equivalent of um, uh, Cicerone. And I had left my career, I had been at Sleeman for two and a, uh, 12 and a half years, and then I was uh, working with this other company uh, doing Western Canada beer education. And I approached, I was approaching breweries to train their staff in beer education. Um, and in one of those conversations, I, I was uh, trying to get Whistler Brewery, Don Gordon from Whistler Brewery, to uh, see if he wanted to train his staff. And he said, let's look into that, but I got something else that might be of interest to you. And he started to tell me about the Guild um, and uh, what their, uh, the, there was an election coming, so they needed, uh, they needed somebody to kind of... Um, Put all the pieces together and and be the front of uh, of the breweries. But at that point, there was very few members. There was less than twenty and less than fifty breweries at that point. So uh, he he kind of said we need the the. I think the Yap review had been announced, or what they they knew it was coming, 
And so they needed someone to head up that. They needed someone to drive membership, and they needed somebody to run a uh, co-pack program that they did in Ontario. And he and I said, "Okay, great." It sounded like when he went down the list, I was like, "This is like the job I've trained my whole life to do." And I said, "Does this actually pay?" And he said, "Well, that's the hook. It pays uh, part time because they could only afford part time." But um, it, it can grow into a full-time position. That's our goal, and hence it has. Hence it has. And you're so active because I see you around the province at various events. You're passionate about it. You go to all, a lot of places in the province, and you're talking to up breweries. But you've been well-received in just about every municipality I can think of. The thing I, I know from my licensing perspective is when we go to a municipality and we say we want to license a brewery, and uh, do apply for a brewery license. They say we love it. They like the jobs in the community. They like the fact that it's on the ale trail and brings in tourism and people work in their community. Now let's talk about the ale trail. How did that come about? Yeah, the ale trail, when we, when we put together our uh, original uh, submission to uh, the YAP review, we had three simple kind of buckets that we wanted to talk about. One was um, just to work alongside the retail and particularly the government liquor stores in promoting BC beer in the terms that the marketing had taken place with the wine industry 20 years before. Um, the second was uh, to make it streamlined and easier and give benefits that economies of scale had to be overcome for a small producer to compete against uh, foreign-owned domestics. So there was a taxation piece to that, which was a markup schedule reduction. And then the last piece was we believed and we knew that BC was a world-class um, beer destination. We produced world-class beer. We win the majority of uh, the awards, like 35% of the awards at the Canadian Brewing Awards. So we, we wanted to work with uh, the government and promote destination tourism. We had a world-class food culture. We have a world-class uh, wine culture. And we knew that beer could be in that, it would be a triple threat. And so we always, that was our original piece. Hmm. Now, just for our listeners, the, uh, uh, Ken referenced the YAP report. Uh, Ken, uh, the YAP report was a report prepared by an MLA of the uh, former government, the Liberal government, uh, MLA by the name of John Yap, who's from Richmond, who was appointed by Premier Christy Clark and uh, the then Attorney General Suzanne Anton to do a liquor policy review for the province, and they received some input, and the craft beer industry came out of it as one of the winners in terms of assistance. Yeah, we were the new kid on the block. I mean, we were humbled, actually, to even go in there uh, because, you know, when I started, I, I spent the first kind of 18 months jumping up and down and saying, hey, we're over here. You should talk to us uh, because the organization, though it's been around for the 90s, it, it kind of imploded and a couple of times and, you know, didn't get off the ground. And so, uh, thankfully, the, the uh, board at that time was adamant they had a plan on what they wanted uh, to, to execute, and I was the person in charge of executing their plans. So as we grew, um, it, as you said, when you go into a small community, on average, WorkSafe BC tells us when a brewery starts, if it has a tasting room, on average, it's 13 new jobs into the community. 
right away. So that that's a big benefit for us. Yeah. Indeed, from our perspective, we even had some liquor primary licensees and some municipalities who didn't like the fact that these breweries were opening with a tasting room, as a lounges, because they saw that as competition. But the pushback from the municipalities was, we love these places. They create jobs and bring people to them, community. Now, in terms of craft brewers, how many do we have in the province now? Uh, there's, uh, at last, there might be more by the time we finish. Um, but at this moment, uh, about 185. And out of the 185, we have over 150 members. Gosh, I remember back in 1984, I think it was, when Alan Gould was the previous general manager of the liquor branch, and he approved a brew pub in Horseshoe Bay for John... Mitchell. Mitchell. 1982. 1982. Yeah. And it was one of those situations when I became the general manager of the liquor branch, I phoned Alan up and I said, Alan, how did you license this thing? He said, well, we kind of made it up as we, as we went along, but we thought it was a neat idea to have a brewery with a pub and we licensed it and then we created the regulations around it kind of after the fact. And it was from that... In 1982 was the genesis. Now, unfortunately, John Mitchell just passed away, yeah, but I think it was earlier this year. Earlier this year, yeah. And Alan Gould and I had lunch with him about a year ago at yeah. Horseshoe Bay, and it was kind of neat. And he wanted to do a sentimental journey, so we talked, shared about pictures and talked about uh, the whole thing. But it's taken off so much that, as I understand it, when I was uh, uh, looking at some statistics last night, the BC microbrewers uh, sales uh, in hospitality from April to June of this year has gone up by 8.8%, whereas domestic BC commercial beer has gone down by 13.6%. BC regional beers have gone up by 2.1%, which explains an explosion and an attraction for the public to go towards craft beer and away from the mainstream beers. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's an interesting, it's not just about craft beer taking from the, the uh, foreign-owned domestics. It's also the, the onslaught of uh, and the huge market support for refreshment beverage, um, spirits, low, you know, keto diet influenced. Also, cannabis obviously has an effect in there. We're not competing necessarily, you know, it's craft guys against the big guys. It, it, it is that to an extent, but it's not. That's not the whole story. Part of the story definitely is um, the the beer category is losing, has been losing for years to wine and spirits, and now refreshment beverage. And it, I'm not quite sure why, but the refreshment beverage world seems to go may go uh, may be coming from. Uh, foreign-owned domestic breweries versus the craft guys, but certainly the 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 power of the craft market is the e- creativity and the innovation of the and the brand selections, the the styles that come out constantly. Like these guys are these guys are working hard every day to create new beers. Not that the big guys aren't making working hard, but the the selection and the new beers that get launched, we have members who launch 100, 120 beers in a, in a year. I was in big beer for, 
what, it's 23 years, and I'm not quite sure. I tried to figure it out. Some of those years are foggy in the beer industry, <laughs> um, but I tried to figure it out. I don't think I launched 25 beers in 23 years, and these guys are launching. The smallest guy is probably making 20 beers in a year. All right, so if I come back to you and ask you the question, what are your top 10 or top 20? Do you have a list? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I love all my children equally. I just play with some a little more often. <laughs> no, and in terms of the cooler refreshment beverage category, it's growing by 26% in that same period of time of April to June of this year. Uh, huge explosion in that area as well. Now, I want to kind of bring this to cannabis. Are you getting many inquiries or people talking about beer infused with cannabis products? Or is that entering well, the, the it, conversation? It hasn't as of yet. And I, I think as you know better than anyone, um, the, the handling of the, uh, the rollout of cannabis has not been... Um, what people expected. There's been, uh, uh, you know, the the download federally to the provincial, and it, it seems like a lot of people are pointing back and forth at each other. Um, what we do know is, and you would, you'll know better, but uh, you can't have cannabis infused alcohol, so that won't be happening. You will have CBD infused beers for sure. I actually tried one in Idaho uh, uh, when I was there um, in May. Um, you will see that, but what, how that rolls out, certainly the major, the biggest players in the world, Labatt and Molson, they're all involved with, uh, in Constellation, the largest alcohol beverage companies in the world are set up to go into that space. They are, I think they think that's the white knight coming for them. On a craft side, we'll have some, I, I'm not sure yet. Um, I, I really don't, we haven't had a whole big buzz of that's going to be the next big thing. I think probably it's that may, we'll see what happens when the big boys uh, dip their toe in that and go from there. Yeah, my concern in that area is where do they sell it? If they were able to get a, a cannabis-infused beer with CBD that's got an alcohol content in it, where are you going to sell it? Because there, we know the private liquor store guys are not going to want to have uh, cannabis-infused beer sold in a cannabis store. And we know that the cannabis guys are not going to want to have cannabis products sold in a private liquor store or a government liquor store. So the question is, where do you sell this product if you did get it through the system? Uh, and don't, you know, I don't want to be held to this, but uh, my understanding is it will be sold in a cannabis store. It will not be sold with liquor. Yeah, that could be an interesting battle. That'll be a good battle. Yeah, I'll buy tickets for that one. <laughs> I'll stand on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, I'll be right beside you. <laughs> Now, I want to ask you, you've got a conference coming up in October, the Craft Beer Brewers Conference down here at the Harbor Convention Center, which is the old BC Pavilion Expo 86 for those who have plaza of nations. What's going to happen? Oh, it's been, uh, this is our third year. We, we, our first two years, we did it at uh, the Croatian Cultural Center and we outgrew the space. So it's bigger and better. Uh, we start on Thursday night, um, Thursday afternoon with a bit of a trade show. Um, and we've got over 60, I think it's six, we sold out. So 65 suppliers are coming to, uh, uh, to be able to network with our, our members. We have over 20 
20 seminars that are taking place on Friday, though there is a couple of seminars on uh, the Thursday night. There's a Cicerone off-flavor tasting seminar, and then we've secured some people. Some We basically have two keynotes. Uh, the first keynote is Brian Roth from uh, Good uh, Beer Hunting. He's out of the States, out of Carolina, and he's coming to uh, speak about uh, the numbers and what the numbers Tell how the numbers tell the story. And then uh, Steve from Bose in Ontario is coming out to be our guest speaker. And uh, Steve Boschanais is coming out uh, to be our guest speaker or keynote speaker on uh, the Friday. So it, it, we try to do it in streams. So there's kind of a marketing stream, a finance stream, and then a beer technical. So um, it's something for everyone. It do, Ideally, it doesn't have to be if you're in the industry. If you're interested in the industry, I think it would be a great place to start. Uh, if you've, you're thinking, wow, that beer thing, I should get into the craft beer business, it would be, to me, a, a must-do. Um, we've had lots of success, and we're, we're expecting – we had about – 500, 450 people last year, and we're expecting it could be up to 800 this year. So we're we're uh, excited. Okay, so help me out with the trade thing. Is that kind of like a wine tasting where people can buy a ticket, go into it, and they go around to different booths and sample beer? No, the uh, no. There's uh, the sorry. The trade is uh, people who supply to the trade. So it's a trade show. So uh, Hops Connect will be there, and BSG, and you know Finance RBC. Who, the suppliers. The suppliers are there, um, though it is a beer beer uh, conference, so you, you don't have to go far to find a beer. Okay, um, and the it's so it's open to the public. People can go online or to your website, buy tickets, or just show up at the door. Yeah, and come it's in. Uh, it's bccraftbeerconference.com. Okay, yeah, not not at the door. Okay. Um, and there is some industry uh, advantages if you're in the industry and you haven't got your tickets yet, uh, you, you, or you're a member of our guild and you haven't got the tickets. That's a shame on you, but uh, you I should get ticket. there. I got my ticket. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a great event. Now, moving forward, looking uh, in your crystal ball, what do you see are some of the major challenges your industry is facing right now? Well, like everything, there's there's um, it's regulation. It's the pace of being able to open and or change your your uh, your space. Um, it, it's still the, the government's gotten much better at it, um, but it still is a long licensing process. It can be. Um, you know, so that that's always that's always around. It's in cannabis regulation too, and trying to open places. Um, the other things is we we were fortunate the Craft Brewers Guild to sit on the BTAP report, the Business Technical Advisory Panel, that was a cross sectional industry um, look a look from the industry's point of view about liquor regulation and how liquor and distribution happens in in BC. Um, that was commissioned by uh, the current government and Minister Eby. Uh, they assigned Mark Hicken, the uh, wine law lawyer, to head that, and then uh, they had uh, nine different sectors. Actors uh, sit in uh, a room, and I happen to be one of those people. For we did it for six days. We uh, reviewed uh, kind of top to 
top to bottom the the challenges in the industry, the opportunities in the industry, and we ended up with 24 recommendations. I can assure you we didn't go in with the intention of having 24 recommendations, but we also listened to other stakeholders, and by the time we were done, that's what we came up with. And the government is acting on that now. It's been, cannabis has really um, came at a, a a good time and a bad time. Good time for maybe a lot of the population. A bad time for the liquor industry because everything became cannabis for about a year and a half. So the liquor file kind of got pushed to the side. We were The government was very uh, transparent in telling us that's what was happening. They had to uh, they had to wrangle the cannabis yeah, beast. They had to so, wrap up. Yeah, and that's that's no pun intended. Uh, they had to uh, they had to deal with that. So that's fine. Now they're looking at the the BTAP report. They've got actually uh, the the panel back together. They've reassigned Mark Hicken. Uh, we had the most productive meeting ever with uh, the liquor board, the policy, the liquor distribution guys about two weeks ago. Um, it was very transparent, and I think we're going to see some. Movement movement, and I'm hoping that movement will be quicker. We're meeting as the panel in a couple of weeks. I think that movement is terrific. I, uh, I, I think the government did a great job by launching that way. The process was terrific from my perspective. Brought in all the stakeholders, uh, long meetings, but came up with consensus. And when I was in government, a wise premier by the name of Bill Bennett used to tell his cabinet all the time, once you commission a report, an investigation, or a study into something, you have to recognize the fact that that report, investigation, or study is going to come up with recommendations. So when those come down, you have to live with those recommendations. But then you've also raised expectations you're going to implement them. And that's where we're at with this right now, that they've come up with recommendations. The industry the province expects to be implemented and they look forward but the government is moving forward and you're right about the cannabis we've seen that in our own little world where we see that applications they've had to retool the branch and figure out this cannabis piece which is not perfect uh they're kind of you know it's 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 a whole uncharted you know it's like sailing a ship through uncharted waters and uh, so there's some bumpy spots, and but uh, the, the liquor file has had to take a back step, but I think it's terrific direction. Now, are you involved in trying to deal with anything at the municipal level? Because from our perspective, we keep coming up against some peculiarities with municipalities on the licensing of breweries, like Vancouver. If I was to license a brewery in Vancouver and had a lounge, I couldn't have an outdoor patio. But if I took that same brewery and moved it to Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, Port Moody, take your pick, you can have a door patio. Um, and are you involved in any of those discussions or trying to streamline those things to get some uh, 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 reduce the red tape? Yeah, I mean, it, part of our advocacy is uh, not only, I mean, we, we do some some things federally um, in terms of excise tax and, and things like the escalator tax. We we obviously deal with the, the provincial level, the largest majority, because that's where the policy sits. But uh, we we do work with the municipality. We're in the middle of, of discussing with, uh, with the city of Vancouver the same, the same thing. The problem with uh, there's a couple of issues there, and the biggest issue is is the assessment and the split tax assessment, and the property values are soaring 
Um, but uh, Vancouver has chosen. Th- there's always a provincial number, um, a provincial regulation that says this is what w- is allowable to you. And then the municipalities can choose to institute their own rules or policies around that. So um, the example of Port Moody has allowed, hey, we just want the the business to happen in the breweries category. So you can have the license and the patio and everything. You don't have to be food primary. In Vancouver, you do. Vancouver also has um, a rule that the, the provincial rule, I believe, is that uh, the space dedicated to a tasting room is 30% of the of the uh, overall um, square footage. But in Vancouver, it's 80 square meters. So the effect of that is we have a member opening who's 10,000 square feet, could have a 3,000 square foot area. They've told him, well, the only way you can get more than 60 people is to put a food primary. Well, he's not in the food primary business. He's in the beer business brewing business in a tasting room business. So, you know, we, we, we're working with the, with the city. Um, it's, it's early days with us, but there's, there's a real need to get in front of them to say, you know, even if you aligned with what the provincial number would be, that would be great. And obviously, if somebody can dedicate a space out front of their, uh, out front of their brewery to be a patio, why not? The, the irony is in Vancouver, if you're a restaurant, you can just put a patio out there, no problem. You don't even have to, I, I don't even think you have to go. You have to get a sign, but, uh, you know, you have to get it signed. But other than that, you're, you're good to go. And, it, and it, you're not even, it's not even considered in Vancouver. So when you think of us as a world-class tourism place and the effect that beer has on that culture and that food and the sense of community, because these breweries, these breweries across the province, they're in 60 plus communities, you know, the 185 breweries. They're community hubs now. People go there to meet their neighbors and visitors. Um, it's become the pub culture of the early 80s um, without the maybe some of the challenges uh, that, that were there. So you, you go the way they're even set up. You have to go in. There's no table service. You have to go to the counter. You have to look at a board that can have anywhere between eight beers and 40 you have to ask, you know, interact with somebody uh, to to uh, ask what beers you like. They'll generally ask you what it, what are you interested in, what do you usually drink. You'll get your beer. You sit at a long table. You don't sit in a booth or a nook or anything like that. You sit in a long table, and I sit across from you, and you have a, a stout, and I have a lager. i got to ask you. My first thing I have to say is make eye contact and say, so what are you drinking? And then you're off to the races with the conversation. That's the magic of it. And so to to kind of put a roadblock in that is something that we don't think, we think they, we need to look at it and work with the city to do it. And, and the mayor's been actually quite vocal about, about supporting it. We just have to get a little closer and in front of them a bit more. Yeah, I agree with you. And we're working uh, on an application for a commercial winery in Vancouver right now, and they're going to have a lounge, but they won't be able to have a patio. But they've got the perfect location for a patio. And you've got, uh, like, Red Truck Brewery, a uh, wonderful brewery, but they went the route of having a food primary license, so he, they have a patio, which works great for them. But if you go for a lounge license, you can't have it. 
If you have a liquor primary license establishment, you can have a patio. And indeed, uh, all around where we are, downtown Vancouver, there's a lot of liquor primary license patios around here where they are licensed and they're fine and they don't cause a problem. So I, it's a fight that I hope you win because I, it's an impediment to doing business in Vancouver. And uh, I, I come back to that old expression that Vancouver is a no-fun city. And uh, I'd like to see this because I think we should be showcasing this when people can come here, have the same experience at a brewery in Vancouver as they can have in Port Moody or the Coquitlams or uh, out in the valley. Yeah, it's it's ironic that Port Moody... I mean, prior to prior to the now five breweries on the one street, which is a unique model in 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 Canada, and there's not another place that has five breweries in three blocks that I'm aware of. Yeah, and the municipality out there is so proud of it. We had a meeting out there a couple of weeks ago with them, and they're very proud of those five breweries. The the real estate agents sell the the area as you'll be. Through a five-minute, ten-minute, fifteen-minute walk to Brewers Row. I mean, that's part of their part of their now has become the culture of Port Moody, which is an interesting thing because Port Moody doesn't actually even have a hotel. So the brewery in the cities and the ancillary businesses, um, you know, the ice cream plays across the street. They all got together and they made that happen. And in particularly when, in terms of uh, the ale trail, they're they're the largest, uh, uh, most most uh, occupied or most visits um, ale trail in in the eighteen trails. Yeah, it's it's done wonders for that community, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, now, I want to ask you another question, kind of a technical question. You've got the BC Craft Brewers Guild, but there's also the Canadian Craft Brewers Association. What's the difference? Yeah, the, the Canadian Craft Brewers Association is very new. Um, you know, each as you know, each province has its own regulations to sift through. And we all and came out of prohibition a little differently. We all came out of prohibition a little differently, and everyone has kind of some uh, protectionism to some level in their in their acts. And uh, so, what has happened now that we've grown? There's there's basically about a thousand craft breweries across Canada. Um, and each uh, each territory and province has a an, an, um, an association, so it makes sense that we would have a national association. Uh, the Brewers Association in in America does fantastic work. They're the gold standard. So about three years ago at the Canadian Brewing Awards, this was idea was brought up. Um, it kind of went away because everyone got busy with expansion and then it came back and we actually formed the association officially in May um, and how it works is if you're in the provincial association and a member in good standing you're automatically in the national association it will it will do the work that a provincial association can't do federally so that'll be some excise tax work it'll be this ex uh, uh, escalator tax that uh, for the for the listeners is every April first uh, alcohol goes up by the cost of or the rate of inflation uh, in perpetuity as decided by the current government with no vote so they're just raising the tax uh, and you don't get a say in it no one gets a say in it interesting uh, it happens on April first it's very ironic 
very ironic. <laughs> um, and so uh, that work, that work, kind of alcohol labeling work, um, you know, whatever that may be from a federal uh, food safety, because we're food, we're food manufacturers, so CFIA regulations. We need to be represented. Um, there is an association, Beer Canada, that does great work. But they tend to be, they do have some craft beer members, but they tend to be more influenced and ruled. The board is more heavy towards the foreign-owned domestics. So we thought it was time, certainly over time, um, to, do, uh, to do our own association. So it's just getting up and running. And the other thing that we're doing that I, I think the consumers will really like is we're going to have an independent seal. Uh, that will be, they do this in numerous countries, and it will be a mark that will tell you that this beer that you're drinking is Canadian owned and operated, small, independent, locally owned uh, breweries. Because a lot of, a lot of the foreign owned domestics, their, their, their challenge or the world's biggest breweries is to buy up popular independent breweries and then just put them into the fold. And so the consumer is getting very, um, uh, they're not sure what beer is craft and what's crafty, let's say. So there's the crafty side of it, which is a big brewery that buys a small brewery and then acts like they're not associated with it. And then there's the pure craft brewers who are independently owned and operated. So um, for us, we want to have an icon on the cans for our members and across Canada that if you're looking to buy local, support local jobs in your own community, if that, that'll be the signal that, oh, this isn't a big brewery acting like. So the example would be this isn't um, you know, Blue Moon. Blue Moon is owned by Coors Molson, and, but it presents itself as something different. And so to us, that's transparency will allow the consumer to really know what they're buying. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah, it's super, it's super cool. Um, I, it, it came, you know, it was, we were all excited three years ago and then it kind of went away and now it's come back with a vengeance. And so we're just in the middle of, you know, a lot of legality and, and getting, you need a, you need a government relations company. And so we're, we're, we're doing those hurdles and we hope to, in fact, at our conference, we will be, I, we will be close to, if not the first, uh, we're doing a collaborative beer. Uh, for the conference uh, that was headed up by Yellow Dog. It's called the Class of uh, 214. And it's the breweries who have been around for five years in BC. And 13 of them ended up on uh, in Brewers Row doing a collab beer a couple of weeks ago. And that beer will come out. And it will be the, f- I think it's going to be the first one with the seal on it. Okay, so help me out here. All these brewmasters got together in a room from competing breweries and said, let's make the best beer. Yes. Isn't that and they put, that and they, put the, they, they put the recipe together. Yep. That's going to be a hot topic. Perfect timing for Christmas. Yeah. It, it, it'll, it's a classic. Uh, they decided to go classic IPA, West Coast IPA, not a hazy IPA. Um, and uh, this is something for a guy who worked at Molson and Sleeman. This blows <laughs> my mind. Because back in the day, Bert, you would know, back in the 80s, you, you didn't really hang out with the guys from no. the blue side. Oh, no. They, yeah. uh, they were uh, they were. Brutal contact. Yeah, there uh, was, was kind of like hand-to-hand combat. It, it really was. It, when, I, it, when I was general manager of the liquor branch, I don't think a week went by that I didn't get a phone call from one of the big three 
uh, complaining about something that one of the other ones was doing about uh, inducements, sales, whatever, promotions, advertising, or something. And uh, they did, it was like a, a submarine with watertight compartments. They didn't talk to each other. Yeah. I, and I mean, I'm not saying that it's all kumbaya for everybody in the craft beer industry. They are, they are fierce competitors between each other, but they do a lot of really good work. I mean, that collaborative beer, the proceeds of that go for something, uh, go to a, a, a fundraiser for the industry that you and I are near and dear to is the BC Hospitality Foundation. So the proceeds from that beer, the collaborative beer, go to the BC Hospitality Foundation, which is uh, when people are in the industry who can't afford, they get sick and they have no insurance or they can't, their medical bills are outpacing their insurance. The Hospitality Foundation uh, uh, looks after them. So last year, Phillips and Brew Hall, Phillips Brewery in Victoria and Brew Hall in Vancouver did the collab for us, and we were able to donate $10,000 to uh, the BC Hospitality Foundation, and we're hoping to do that again this year. Yeah, it's wonderful. I'm on the board of the Hospitality Foundation, and we, we're both on the Golf Tournament Committee. And uh, it's a great organization because most people who work in the hospitality industry have already spent their next paycheck. So if they have an accident or illness and they can't pay uh, their bills, they, uh, they need help. And uh, I'm very much appreciative of your support in that area. It's terrific. All right. Thank you, Ken. It's Friday afternoon. I think it's time to go find a beer. All right. I like the sound of it. All right. Thanks a lot for being with us, Ken. This is Ken Beatty, Executive Director of the Craft uh, Brewers Guild. And again, his conference is coming up in October at the Vancouver Harbor Center, the old BC Pavilion. Come on down, buy a ticket, and walk around and have fun. Take care. Thanks, Ken. Thank you very much, Bert. The preceding podcast was recorded at Studio 710 in downtown Vancouver, the home of Jade Maple. For more information, follow us online at risingtideconsultants.ca.